Welcome to the Surrender Podcast. Surrender is a collective of Christian groups and organisations from across Australia. We work in unity to share Jesus' call to seek his kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven. We create spaces for the sharing of stories that motivate, support and equip people to love their neighbour, share good news and live justly, both locally and globally. Please note, Surrender provides spaces for conversation and storytelling and does not necessarily endorse the personal views of any one presenter. This is Brooke Prentice's workshop entitled Engaging with Social Justice Issues from a Christian Perspective. In it she looks at how non-Indigenous people can learn about the struggles in our land and how we can work across cultures to build a new hope for our nation. Brooke's people are the Waka Waka people in Queensland. Brooke currently serves on the Salvation Army's National Indigenous Reference Group as well as being a board member of Tier Australia. My name's Brooke Prentice. Um, I'm a Waka Waka woman, uh, Aboriginal Christian leader uh, based in Brisbane. Um, I was born in Cairns but uh, grew up in a place called Redcliffe which is on Gubby Gubby country uh, and that's a very important place to me and my grandmother's country is Waka Waka country and she was a Williams um, from Waka Waka country. So uh, what I wanted to do today is I hope to make this a little bit interactive uh, and the journey I wanted you to come on today was to learn uh, and participate and think about uh, social justice issues that face Aboriginal peoples in this land and have uh, since colonisation right up through to today uh, and then how we build a new hope for our nation. Um, so they're the, the two components uh, of what I put in the workshop. We'll just see what journey we, we actually take uh, because each one of you will be on a different stage of the journey in engaging and actively participating in Aboriginal social justice issues. So uh, where I wanted to start um, was to turn to your neighbour and if you know that neighbour very well and they're your relation, <laughs> uh, maybe find someone that you, you don't know uh, and I want you to talk about why you came to this workshop and I want you to tell your neighbour about an Aboriginal uh, friend, if you have one, um, or an Aboriginal person that you know. Some of you might not know anyone and you have that conversation too. So can we start there? So make sure you tell them what your name is and all that jazz. Okay, so I wanted to talk about social justice issues, but really what I wanted to do in this space is create a space for questions. Um, some of you will have a lot of questions, uh, and so I'm happy to answer any questions of anything, um, and uh, just if we can be respectful in those, those questions. For those that just joined, I just asked everyone to turn to their neighbour, um, talk about why they came to this workshop, but also an Aboriginal friend um, that they have or an Aboriginal person that they know of. And one of the reasons I started there is because I think one of the issues we have in this country is that as Aboriginal peoples and non-Aboriginal peoples, we don't know each other. So when we don't know each other, it's hard to even call each other friends. And uh, those of you that know me, um, sometimes I talk about reconciliation because uh, that's the platform the church often gives me as an opening to come in. But reconciliation as a word often troubles me. Sometimes I like the word, sometimes I hate the word. Uh, and the reason um, that I sometimes hate the word is because it's become just a word. 
Uh, for me, for reconciliation to happen actually needs action. And I would rather that we called reconciliation friendship. If we looked at it as friendship and Aboriginal peoples and non-Aboriginal peoples coming together as friends, I think that we could um, really build that, that new hope for this country that I dream of. And, uh, you know, these things like close the gap, what is it, 15 years or 10 years since close the gap? Um, and that gap isn't closing. So we need to change the way we think about things is how I look at it. So that's why I asked you to talk about friends. So when we come to social justice issues, uh, I want you to stand up if you could tell someone else about two Aboriginal deaths in custody. If you could tell the story, or let's just go with one. If you could tell the story of an Aboriginal death in custody to someone else, I want you to stand up. Yep, yeah, if you could just say a little bit about a death in custody. Okay, does anyone know the current inquest into the death in custody in WA? Okay, so do you want to stand up as well? So any death in custody over the history of this country? Okay, so, okay, you guys can all sit down. Uh, I want you to stand up if you could tell me the estimated amount of stolen wages in Queensland or in any other state. Or stand up if you know about stolen wages, what that is. Okay, all right, you can sit down. Oh, now my computer's door. Uh, and I want you to tell me, uh, stand up, if you could tell me what happened at the 1988 Barunga Festival in the Northern Territory. What the key thing, one of the key things that was presented there. 88? I think it was 88. Barunga. No. So they did a, what your dad's talking about? Yeah. T? T? Starting with the T? They asked for a treaty. They did a statement, the Barunga statement asking for a treaty of which Bob Hawke promised Aboriginal peoples a treaty and of which we still don't have today. So uh, Uncle Ray's Bible study uh, talks much better about treaties and uh, all of those things, but we are the only Commonwealth nation without a treaty or treaties with its Indigenous peoples. So what you'll probably leave uh, with from this workshop today is probably a lot more questions. And I guess that's the key thing about this is that uh, I can't teach you everything. No Aboriginal person can teach you everything. So there's a responsibility that each person has to have about self-education about some of these issues. So you've heard me talk about already deaths in custody, stolen wages and treaty. Um, even if you just start at those three places uh, to go away and read up on, on those. Are there any questions so far? No question at all. Uh, www.google.com.au. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, another website that I really like is a website called Creative Spirits, uh, and that has a lot of good information. Uh, and very honouring um, of Aboriginal peoples. I'm hoping it's written by Aboriginal peoples, but sometimes you don't know. But I imagine it would have to be. Uh, so you can find everything there. Uh, I guess one of the other social justice issues maybe we ask about, um, what other words do Aboriginal people use to describe the 26th of January? Invasion day, survival day, there's a couple more, day of mourning, stand up if you know where the day of mourning comes from, what year and who, or anything about the day of mourning. So the first official day of mourning was held in 1938. Uh, many of you will know that we didn't get the successful referendum until 1967 where we got, uh, we didn't exactly get citizenship rights, we got those a little bit earlier in about 63, but it gave us full citizenship rights because uh, we were counted in the census, that was the result of the 67 referendum. So already I've given you another thing, if you've never heard of the 67 referendum, um, to go away and have a look at that. Uh, and, um, yes, yeah. That's, that's during our lifetime. That's right. right. And after that time as a kid going to school, we, we had no rights. Yep. And there's nothing that really gave us any sort of credibility as well as community, whatever, Australian community. Yep. And, um, you know, my uncles, my grandfather, my father, and all our people had to get permission to go from one place to another, to another, to another. So we're talking about stuff that's during our lifetime. We're not talking about something that's way back. So it's a living memory. And it's important for you guys to know that that's a lot of the pain that we carry. That's right. And that's why I've started with these issues, because they are within our lifetime. The stolen wages in Queensland uh, our elders are currently trying to go through a process. Um, the current Queensland government said that they would open up another fund of $21 million because uh, the first one, they closed it down and uh, most of the money went into hospitals and roads and, and so forth. Uh, so they've reallocated another $21 million. But each elder uh, is probably going to get about $2,000. So... What I haven't done is explain stolen wages to those of you that don't know. So right up until the 1970s, and I'll talk about the Queensland situation, but it happened in other states. Right up until the 1970s, Aboriginal people, uh, peoples were paid in rations or the money that they were meant to be paid went to the chief protector of Aborigines, who was, all of them were, were white men in government. So whilst they were supposed to protect Aboriginal peoples, uh, you have to ask the question who was actually being protected. In Queensland, the estimated amount of stolen wages, remember that there's $21 million on offer now, the estimated amount of stolen wages is $500 million. And when you think about that that went right up until the 1970s, 
uh, and you look at some of our aunties and uncles who are still around today who worked their whole life uh, for no money um, and started work often from the age of 10, uh, if not younger. So domestic servants, um, pearl uh, divers, pearl divers, um, uh, farm hands, cane cutters, uh, and those sorts of things. So uh, Dr. Rosalind Kidd uh, did a very um, extensive research into this and um, I encourage you to look at her work. So some of that is a book called The Way We Civilise uh, and then there's one you can buy from Antar Victoria about hard labour stolen wages. It's only a little book but will give you a, a good insight into that. Uh, when we talk about Aboriginal deaths in custody, so in 1991, we had a Royal Commission into deaths in custody. Uh, up into that point, uh, they looked into 99 Aboriginal deaths in custody. There were over 300 recommendations put forward. Uh, still today, so that was 1991, many of those recommendations were never implemented uh, and still should be implemented today. And now we're having um, inquest uh, into uh, Miss Jew's death in WA, uh, horrific circumstances. For once, I think we've got the attention of the mainstream media. But for those of you that have come to surrender, my hope is that as Christians, we don't have to rely on the mainstream media because they're not telling the full picture. And we as Aboriginal Christian leaders in particular uh, are the ones that are called on to be with our community at these times. Um, you would have heard about the high suicide rates. Our Aboriginal children in this country have the highest rate of child suicide in the world. In Queensland alone in 2011, uh, Aboriginal uh, young people accounted for 5% of the youth population of Queensland and we accounted for 39% of all of the youth suicides and these rates continue to go up. So, for me, when I hear these stories, and I know these stories because they affect my family, my friends, my community, I look and I think about what can we do as Christians? Where is the church in these situations? Because often I don't see, the people I see standing next to me aren't my Christian brothers and sisters. They're my community. And um, that's something that I think we need to change. Since 1991, when they had uh, that Royal Commission into deaths in custody, and they looked at those 99 deaths in custody, since then, we have had over 400 Aboriginal deaths in custody. So we have now had more Aboriginal deaths in custody in the last 20 years than any time before um, that first Royal Commission. So the question I ask is, do we need another Royal Commission? Why weren't those over 300 recommendations implemented. One of those recommendations was that detention should be a last resort. Uh, in Queensland and in WA, state legislation uh, was taking away detention as a last resort for our young people. In Queensland, as a 16 and a half year old, you can be sent to adult prison. This is the laws of our country, the laws of our states. For us as Aboriginal peoples, it's important. We, we have to know these things because our young kids um, are getting locked up and uh, once you're in the system, it's hard to get out. 
and um, we need the Christian church to come together about these issues. Any questions? Well, do you have any ideas? So prayer is a huge thing. Yep. Yep. So one way that could help, and this is a bit of a practical way, is writing letters um, to politicians. I've said that a lot of times to people and they're like, oh, we don't write letters these days, we do emails. Uh, a politician will not necessarily respond to an email and I've had them say to me, an email is not a formal documentation, as I have when I've written to the heads of churches. You can also write to the heads of churches, um, whatever denomination you belong to, or even if you don't belong to a particular denomination, write to the heads of churches. Uh, Aboriginal ministry is so underfunded in this country. We pretty much have to beg for any dollar. Um, I ran an Aboriginal church uh, and was doing lots and lots of work with the community and then that Aboriginal church was closed down because it was seen as too costly. 58% of Aboriginal peoples in this country live in poverty. But the amount of Christians that tell me poverty does not exist in this country, uh, I've lost count of the amount that have told me. Pastors that have told me poverty does not exist in this country. Now, I'm of course usually among friends here at Surrender that do know that poverty exists in this country. Uh, but the conversations I've had with heads of churches when I've asked them about Aboriginal ministry and funding it has often been, um, uh, well, you can't be financially self-sufficient, so we have to close the church down. And my response was, well, when 58% of my people live in poverty, how is the money ever going to come from this church? We need a different model to think about it. Yep, did you have? Like, I'm a bit vexed by the question, what would we do? Not because I don't want to help, but I would say that I would go to my default position, which is Jesus Christ, Serve, not to be served. So I would ask you, how would you like to be served? So. Because, like, I'm, I'm not familiar with the politics or anything like that. Like, you saying that to me now just makes me go, wow, you know. And I don't know whether you're dealing with the high church or the charismatics or, or whatever, but I mean, I, I think we. All of them. Yeah, so I mean, <laughs> I, I think that's my question back again. It's not that I don't want to help, I just don't know how to. Yep. Did I ask for help in anything that I've said? Well, you asked to support you. Well, have I? Well, I'm offering it, doesn't it? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, really, I think what we want as Aboriginal Christians, and I will speak from my own personal perspective of what I would like to see, I would like to see Christians coming and walking alongside us. So, uh, Every 26th of January, and in Brisbane this year, it was the largest gathering and lots of non-Aboriginal people come and they march with us. They stand beside us, they listen to us speaking about it, what, what it means to be an Aboriginal person in this country. 
uh, and then they literally walk with us. That's one of the things I would like to see. And part of doing that is to be able to come and to learn and to listen um, and to help to try and build that friendship, getting to know Aboriginal people. Uh, and a lot of, there's a lot of myths that exist about that. So um, I was going to put it up on the screen, but many of you would have seen the map of Australia with all of the different Aboriginal groups. In this country, there were once over 250 different Aboriginal people groups, each with their own language, own culture, own histories. Once over 600 dialects of language spoken. A time before we needed the word reconciliation, over 250 different people groups. And so one of the things that we have to acknowledge and recognise is that Aboriginal, as Aboriginal peoples, we are a diverse group of peoples. That welcome to country that you just saw and participated in showed you the diversity of Aboriginal peoples in this country. But many of us actually live in the capital cities. Um, who knows the largest community of Aboriginal peoples, where they, what city they're located in? So Sydney is the largest community of Aboriginal peoples. Well, Sydney as a, as a whole city, so. But Western Sydney has um, some of the largest populations of Aboriginal peoples. Followed by the second largest being Brisbane. Actually, Brisbane. And the amount of uh, pastors that have said to me, oh, Brooke, we don't need to do anything with Aboriginal people. We don't need to make friends because there's no Aboriginal people living in this suburb where the church is. The, Aborig the non-Aboriginal pastor that said that there was an Aboriginal family living right next door to the church. Right next door. So it's about, um, I think for me, everyone looking up, looking around, opening our eyes and our ears and our hearts and our minds. Often we have to re-educate our minds in this. So was I asking for help? Maybe, maybe not. But what I'm asking for is to come and to walk with us in these issues. What I need is for non-Aboriginal people to help us in having the conversation within, amongst your own friends and own family. Start to talk about these issues. Ask them the same questions that I've asked you. Do you know about any Aboriginal death in custody? Do you know about this thing called stolen wages? Do you know about the high suicide rates of Aboriginal people? Do you know how many Aboriginal kids are now in out-of-home care? A thing we now call the new stolen generation. Have you ever referred to it as the stolen generation, singular? Because I've re-educated myself and my language to talk about the stolen generations. Because it went on for over 18 decades. And our Prime Minister at the time, Kevin Rudd, when he did the apology said, this should never ever happen again. And it is happening again. In Queensland, one in four Aboriginal children are in out of home care. And with that brings a whole range of other issues. So, what I don't want is that you leave this workshop being overwhelmed. I can't afford to have you be overwhelmed because I need you to come on the journey with me as a friend, as a fellow Christian. Yes, you can write things like letters to heads of churches and politicians because for those of us as Aboriginal Christian leaders, we're with our community. Whilst I would love to write those letters. I often don't have the time. 
but that's something that you could do. You don't have to know an Aboriginal person to come on the journey with us. But if you do come on the journey, I bet that you can find an Aboriginal friend at the end. Uh, any other questions? That's right. So it's, it's hard to put the two together, right? Um, and I often, uh, sometimes we get criticised by going, you know, you're just giving us all the issues, we know all of this. And I've had people say that and then you ask them, well, do you know about this and do you know about that? And then they don't actually know. So we have to make sure that we're honest with ourselves about what we do know uh, and that if you are in relationship with an Aboriginal person, this is our day-to-day -day lives and especially an Aboriginal Christian leader. Uh, there's not one of us that hasn't been touched by death in custody, touched by suicide, touched by poverty, um, touched by stolen wages even. There's someone in our family that's been touched by all of those. So if you're in true relationship with us, um, then it's important that you know about these issues. Stolen generations, still such huge impacts. But what often happens when we're trying to build relationship, and it might happen here at Surrender, you might meet an Aboriginal person. And uh, this is often happens when I talk in churches and then after the service, people will come up to me and uh, they'll start hitting me with all the political issues. And uh, what do you think about this? And what do you think about that? What do you think about that? Whereas I've, I've asked, I've presented some issues, but I've actually asked for you to come and be friend with me and walk alongside me. If you're going to meet a person for the first time and become friends with them, you don't go to the issues straight away. You go to, oh, where are you from? Who's your mob? Where's your family from? Where do you live? What's your name? All of those things. One of the things that I'm teaching non-Indigenous young people is to ask those questions. Who's your mob and where are you from? Because it's not part of Western culture to know those things but I think it's one of the gifts as Aboriginal people that we can give to Western culture. Uh, because without that story, without your own story, how I find it difficult to tell a story with someone else, that it becomes that superficial surface level stuff. And for me, I think that's one of the biggest problems in the church. And I'm not talking about the Aboriginal church. I find it hard to find the Aboriginal church um, in this nation because it doesn't belong in a church building it's at things like surrender where we all come together. It's in our community. That's our church. So it's not hard to find the church. It's just hard to articulate that in a Western culture because it's not in a church building. And I think that's part of the problem with the Australian church. And I go into many of them. And Christians aren't friends with each other in church. And it blows my mind. We go on a Sunday and we say, oh, hi, how's your week? And then we leave and we don't know about that person's life. As Aboriginal Christians, we often do, but in a Western culture, so many of my non-Aboriginal Christian friends are lonely. Their friends aren't in church. They're at work or at school or in a sporting team or their family, and it's often not in church, and I think that's a really sad thing. So, might have confused everyone, but it is, it's a complicated path. Friendship is a complicated path. Um, you know, I've got a best friend who's a non-Aboriginal person 
and uh, her and I can fight about issues or don't get each other at times. It's not just a black and white thing, it's, it's a people thing. But as Christians, we are called to love one another as we love Christ. And that's where I want to start. So yes, I want you to know about these issues because um, they make me sad. <laughs> I grieve over these issues. I grieve that people don't know them, that these issues. But I also uh, grieve the fact that people just are happy to be in their house and not look outside um, the four walls of, of their fenced property. Or that they're happy to look overseas to their overseas neighbour instead of looking at their neighbour in their own country. And I'm not saying that one should be played off against the other. They're both important. But what I often feel is that we step over our Aboriginal brother and sister to reach our overseas neighbour. And so many people overseas, actually when they come to this country, uh, and particularly Christians of other nationalities and cultures, they want to know the Aboriginal story. And they'll go and, and, and understand the country, um, understand what happened in this nation uh, since the time of colonisation um, and before colonisation. Our story doesn't start in 1788 or 1770. Our story starts 60,000 years ago. Um, and uh, that's an important story that as Christians we need to know about as well. You heard Uncle in there at the Welcome to Country talk about Bunjil the Eagle. Um, the great creator spirit of this land, of the Wurundjeri peoples. And one of the things I like to tell people, because some Christians have a problem with, with that story, um, I've often been asked, particularly by Christian uh, schools students, when I go and speak in some schools, and they ask me, I was very perplexed by this question, how does your Aboriginality fit with your Christianity? I was like, why do they keep asking me this question? because it's never been a problem for me. God works that out for us. Uh, and um, some people that takes a long while to process, but for me, he worked it out for me. And Bunjil the Eagle, um, uh, who flew over this land and created all the mountains and the rivers, um, all of this land that we are on now is part of the Wurundjeri story. I want you to go and read Genesis 1 in the message where it talks about the bird hovering over the seas, over the waters. And to me, um, I think it's a beautiful thing um, of the Wurundjeri people with Bunjil the eagle and that I look at Genesis 1 and there I can see that story. And that's pretty incredible. Um, and for those of you that are of the theology that uh, humans have only been here for 6,000 years, well, if that's the case, that's fine. If you want to say Aboriginal peoples have only been here for 6,000, I'm happy to say that. They've been here since the beginning, for as long as we can remember. And that God has been in this land uh, all of that time. God did not come on the first fleet in 1788. He has always been here, and as Aboriginal peoples, we have always known that. Uh, so I've diverted again, but uh, as I said, I wanted to have a conversation. Uh, so... I want you to turn to your neighbour again and just have that conversation. Maybe another question will come out of that conversation about anything that I've presented so far. Um, have a chat to your neighbour about it. Maybe chat to them about what you think you can do. Can we do that?
because can you put your hand up if you've ever prayed individually or in your church for any uh, Aboriginal social justice issues or for healing in this nation? Yeah. So imagine what could happen if each one of us, both individually and corporately, so uh, in the church and individually, um, prayed about these issues. How do we, can we even make a commitment to pray about this? And I guess that's where I find it hard. People want to know what can they do. And at the top of my list is prayer. Because unless we humble ourselves in front of Jesus and ask for his leading and his guidance and um, how we bring other people on the journey, that's one of the things I do. And so uh, some Aboriginal Christian leaders spent a year in prayer about these issues and then invited other people on that journey. Um, so I think it, it is vitally important for this journey. And I don't think we do pray enough about it. You know, it's often a struggle for us um, even to be able to do an acknowledgement of country in church, even to have one service a year that maybe an Aboriginal service, whether that's during NAIDOC week or Reconciliation Week or um, a prayer on the 26th of January. Uh, one of the things I often ask is that churches, and whether they think the 26th of January is a political issue or not, that's, that's not the point. The point is on that day, Aboriginal peoples are grieving. Sometimes we're celebrating our survival, but there's issues in this nation. And if as a Christian brother and sister, we know our, Christian, our Aboriginal Christian brother and sister is grieving on that day, is hurting, doesn't know even how to feel on that day, then as the church, I think we should, we should pray for those people. We should have compassion, we should think about them, not be angry that they call it things like Invasion Day or Survival Day, that that's what we as Aboriginal people might call it. And to think about that day of mourning. Where in our country do we think about that day of mourning? Why do we need a day of mourning? And that's one of the social justice issues that I haven't talked about, the social justice issue of stolen land. And that's often one of the ones that the church struggles to deal with. And um, uh, Uncle Ray can uh, talk about it much more articulately than I can. Uh, but um, we do have to think about that. The second part of what I had as part of this workshop is how we build a new hope for our nation. What does that mean? What does it look like? I think one of the struggles um, that I often have with Christians is that they don't actually see that there's anything broken uh, there's nothing wrong with our nation uh, and until we recognise that and recognise that there isn't hope for everyone in this nation um, and that we have to think about that, um, that's what I want us to think about and to pray about and to come together about. I think it's all of those things. The prayers in the room, the prayer warriors. Any guidance on prayer points? I think a powerful thing is to allow God to name this situation. And the media, and us, to let the media name 
So, but what we need you to do is to talk to your friends and family. Because have you spoken to them? Are they? Do, would you say they're all on the journey? Because we we can't reach them. And often I think you might be shocked about what they have to say. Like we have to deal with it. Um, you know, my dad's side are non-Aboriginal, um, and you know we I have to deal with some of the things that they have to say or think or. Uh, those sorts of things. Um, so it's not easy. Tackling your friends and family will be the hardest job. Um, or your, uh, your church, people in your church, other Christians. Because often we find that in one church, maybe of 200 people, there could be one non-Aboriginal Christian in there that wants to come on the journey with us or is on the journey with us. There might be more that want to and don't know how to. And... Um, Often when I go into churches and um, uh, I speak in churches, I ask them to maybe form a prayer group um, that are concerned about Aboriginal issues. One of the heartbreaking things, or even just find 
one person or two people that could raise prayer points about Aboriginal issues. Um, 12 months down the track and not one of those churches, and I would have spoken about maybe 10 churches, did that. Not one of them found one person that would be the champion um, of Aboriginal social justice issues or relationship building. Um, not one prayer group formed in a church. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I think, you know, that, that would help us. Even if each one of you went back to your church um, and, and started a prayer group. And come together. You guys have to build community too. Um, but that's my challenge, to talk to your friends and your family. So I'll give you the challenge of just to talk to one friend and one family member uh, about anything that you've talked about today, just to even raise the name Aboriginal peoples. Mm. Yeah. So then, yeah. Yeah, Annie Iris? I'm just going to uh, just suggest to you um, that maybe you can befriend an Aboriginal. I don't know any of you guys here, but if you come across an Aboriginal, just say hello. A lot of people say to me, I don't have what to say to them, but just to say hello would be a nice thing, you know. Um, but uh, if you, if, if it's a good place to start. And what Book was saying is, is excellent. And um, some of our churches just don't know how to do it. But I come at it sometimes with befriend somebody. You know, you, when, you, when you want to befriend somebody, what do you do if you want to get to know somebody? Anybody? Yeah, add them to Facebook. Yeah. 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 For those of you that live in Melbourne, um, the Melbourne Museum has an exhibition, permanent one, First Peoples. Um, and uh, it's an amazing exhibition. So if you haven't been there, you need to go there. Don't miss Bunjil's Nest and the story of Bunjil. Uh, but there are many Aboriginal people um, in this area and, and Greater Melbourne area and all over Victoria. Um, so Google Aboriginal people in and put your suburb. Aboriginal organisations. Um, yeah. I've looked even for myself growing up. Um, I found that I had to educate myself too. Yep, that's right. Like, as an Indigenous person. Exactly. Like, so much to learn yep. and, um, and to understand um, about what has happened and then it gives you um, a better uh, insight into to what the, the really root of the problem is yep. because otherwise you just a lot of people just see our people as oh they're alcoholics they don't work they're lazy 
they got that just blanket, you know, straight up. But if you dig deeper, you find out really what the issues are, and you have a totally different um, perspective on it. And you come from more of a heart, you know, knowledge and That's heart right. connecting together. Yep. And a lot of times you end up with compassion fatigue because, you know, you're mm. so, you know, you, you um, switch on to people what they're on about mm. when they talk to you, their mm. stories. Um, I learned that even with um, working with the stolen generation, they, they were adults by then, you know, in their 60s, 70s. And um, it was just like things I never heard before. And, um, and the, the thing of just shut my mouth and listen and you know but the most important was having that cup of tea with them and listening and you know and it's just amazing how and it's the Lord that helps you get through it you know because stuff that you would be hearing that you couldn't tell another person because there's just too much um, to think so yeah you've got to be in prayer you've got to have those prayer warriors praying for you especially Indigenous leaders and mm. workers in the community, it is so important. All these people that are here today, all these Indigenous mob here, they're all leaders in that community, you know? Mm. Um, you know, um, and been doing all this work for years from when we're young, you know? Um, so it'd be so good if you could come on board and, um, you know, pray for us and uh, educate yourselves and, um, you know, that, that we don't have to be standing up here every year doing doing this um you know because you'll be saying no nah, you'll be getting up here telling us yeah <laughs> that's what we'd like to see mm-hmm. but but good things you know things have changed and and we want to see that in the you know few more generations mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i would like to see and the things that i've tried to talk about as an education piece today they're not things that we necessarily learn in the community that's from me reading books and articles and educating myself about all of these things Um, and that's what I have to do as an Aboriginal person because we didn't get taught these things at school. Um, We still don't really get taught all of these things at school. Um, You know there's still people that think that Captain Cook discovered Australia. That's still where we're at often. It's starting to change but it will take a whole nother generation of this national curriculum being embedded and actually taught because often the teachers don't know how to talk. The amount of teachers that come to me begging for help about how to teach the national curriculum that includes Aboriginal peoples and issues, um, it's just astronomical. And so it won't be until the students that we have in school now become the teachers and even maybe then the next generation that we'll start to, to know this. Um, yep. So the way that I look at it is, and I recognise as Aboriginal people, we have generational trauma. And that's often been part of the issue is that we haven't looked at it as trauma. And trauma brings irrationality, um, illogical behaviour, 
uh, all of those things. And Aboriginal people are constantly in trauma, whether that's the historical trauma or the present trauma. Um, but uh, for non-Aboriginal people, and yeah, for non-Aboriginal people, if instead of looking at it as traumatic, that we looked at it as the truth. How do we teach our children the truth about this nation? And I think that's been part of the problem because we can't get up and just speak the truth and everyone knows the truth because they don't all know the truth. Um, then that creates this problem and the fighting and creates more trauma. Um, like the amount of people that still say to me, you can't be Aboriginal. How are you Aboriginal? You're not Aboriginal. If I've got up here and said I'm Aboriginal and then you have that fight with me, you're calling me a liar. And so we still haven't got anywhere because we still can't deal with that issue, which, you know, there's government policies that um, implemented that. And, uh, you know, our skin colour has never been about who we are as a peoples. Um, and even just having that conversation that an Aboriginal person doesn't look like someone holding a spear um, and has really dark skin, because we don't. You look around at surrender and we're all, we're all different. That we talk about, we just talk about it as the truth. That yes, the, the British came and they landed and they took Aboriginal people prisoners. Um, they treated us like slaves and yeah, that is a sad thing. And when I go into schools, even with primary school or high school um, age kids, uh, the high school age kids are usually shocked because they're the generation of knowing everything. So when they still don't know that these things happen, I've gone into a couple of year 11 legal studies classes. Um, I've had boys come up to me in tears, basically doing like a similar presentation to now, but mainly looking at the historical and stolen land issues. And they just say sorry. They want to say sorry. They're so moved to say sorry. Um, but often we're still not at that place in the church. There's still so many walls built up. And I continue to get shocked by that as an Aboriginal Christian because for me, the church is a place where we tell the truth, where we talk about love and we talk about hope and we talk about justice. Um, and so how we just do that in everyday life. Uh, you know, those with young kids, just teaching Aboriginal stories, getting Aboriginal stories, um, teaching about Aboriginal, great Aboriginal leaders and speakers and Aboriginal Christian leaders, you know. We've had Uncle Graham Paulson and Auntie Iris Paulson here and Auntie Sharon Minicon and Uncle Ray's around here and Auntie Jean Phillips. Uh, the people that I look up to, their stories. Um, and that they continue to teach us as young Aboriginal Christian leaders. Uh, you know, they're vital to our story and they're vital to the church's story as well. The white church as well. Or just the church. Sad that we have to talk about it as the white church and the Aboriginal church or what church is. towards a treaty. Uh, so I guess the conversation um, has been about recognise and suddenly we've picked up momentum about treaty. We've always talked about treaty. Uh, and so it's not a new idea, but it's exciting that it's um, talked about. Uh, go and have a look at that. If you just type in draft treaty Bob Hawke, um, a draft treaty will come up if you put that into Google and just have a look at some of the things that were in there. Some are really easy things that we I could guess, do. Oh, it's happening all the time. We're talking about it. We have seminars, uh, but often not many non-Aboriginal people come along. Some do. Um, but one of the things I've wanted to do is talk about it in the church, but often the door's closed. No, we don't want to talk about that. We don't want to talk about that. But often the church has been happy to talk about constitutional recognition. So it's a weird thing for me. Are there any ministers that have picked it up? Or church ministers? As in government. 
government. Uh, they're only just starting to talk about it. I think down here in Victoria, you had all of those Aboriginal leaders come together um, and basically put it on the table that that's what they wanted. Uh, and so that's the first time I've seen a really large scale um, conversation restarted. Uh, so, yeah, so I think, you know, just keep your eye out for what's on and go along or um, if you know an Aboriginal uh, leader to invite them into your church to talk about treaty or even if it's not church, whatever community that you have that they can have that platform to talk about it. And come to Uncle Ray's Bible study tomorrow especially yep because he's talking about that and from a biblical perspective uh, so we might have to wrap it up there um, sorry I've gone over time but I just wanted us to as an action all stand up together and I guess like we did this morning if we create our connectedness by holding hands Oh, hang on, we don't, we're not all connected. <laughs> oh, there we go. All right, and maybe um, Rachel and Annie Sharon, would you mind praying for us all together? This one, yeah. next to you. <laughs> Father, we thank you that we can come to you and we thank you for your Holy Spirit that leads us and... Um, comforts us, Lord, in times of need, and we just pray that you will move by your spirit today, and we know that you have, Lord, in our hearts and in our minds, Lord, and we just pray for, you see our people, Lord, and where they're at, and uh, the, the uh, struggles that we're going through, and the oppression that we're under, we just pray, Lord, as a church, as brothers and sisters here, we stand today as one, and we just pray, Lord, that you will move in our communities and we pray for restoration and healing in our community and we also pray for a, um, a better relationship with each other Lord, our um, brothers and sisters in Christ and um, here today and Lord nothing's impossible with you Lord because we have faith and trust and believe in you that uh, we can go forward from now and we just thank you for the leaders that are in this room we think of Ani Iris there and Brooke and Mark, Lord, we just thank you, Lord, um, that you are, um, that you have sustained them, Lord, through all the work they have to do in their communities. We thank you, Lord, for their stand and the strength that you give them, Lord. And sometimes we feel alone, but Lord, we know that um, you are with us and we just pray, Lord, that you've given us uh, a family that will stand with us, Lord, and we just pray for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes, Lord. Lord, this is your land, first and foremost. Jesus Christ is the ruler, the, the Lord, the King. We are bowing to you. You have given this, these peoples um, the caretaking of it. We honor that. Lord, I pray your blessing on all who are present here, that they would hear, be able to listen deeply and wait together on you that you would bring anointing and an invitation into direct action and specific areas that you're already working in, that you would open up those doors, open up those relationships, um, and um, bring justice to this land. We ask for
for your love and your truth to mm -hmm. be made manifest here. And that uh, your name will be glorified, people will be set free, and that uh, all who are born here, all who come here, my home here, will become one in Jesus. Thanks, everyone. And don't forget, don't be overwhelmed and have a conversation with a friend and a family. <laughs> and Google and pray. Pass the Google. This was one of many conversations recorded live at Surrender 16. We hope you found this podcast inspiring and thought-provoking. Please check in with us at surrender.org.au for more resources and opportunities to engage and connect with our wider movement.